0: Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. For the next three, four weeks, we're going to be moving in a new series. It's called Unshakeable. And uh, we're going to look at several different aspects of what it means to be unshakeable unshakable in your commitment, unshakable in your faith, and unshakable in your family, unshakable in, uh, in uh, your purpose. There is just a lot of different areas to look at here from the Scripture. Now, when we use the term unshakable, we really, we picture in our mind something that is strong, that cannot be moved. It can't be changed or spoiled or defeated. Now, Now, we know that realistically, Some things are moved and shaken, but when their roots are different enough or deep enough, then they they still hold. So in that sense, it's unshakable. Though the the things come against it and you may uh, uh, totter a little bit and you may deal with some issues, the root goes deep, the foundation is strong, and so you're unshakable. You cannot be spoiled or defeated. I think it goes without saying that... uh, we live in perilous times today. The word for that in the Greek basically is talking about extremely dangerous. We live in peril. It says in the last days that there will be perilous times. We were promised. And, and we live in the last days. In other words, we're closer to the return of Christ than we've ever been before. Yes? And so this is termed the last days before the return of Christ. Now, I am indeed grateful, as was shared already this morning, that there are some amazing things happening around the world, as was mentioned in Brazil. uh, Even with uh, what's going on in China as far as disease and possible uh, pandemic and things going on there that it's, um, uh, there's in the underground church there is some amazing things, powerful things are happening. And I was looking at some reports the other day about what's happening in Iraq, that literally in Iraq, Hundreds of people are coming to Christ and are having visions of the living Christ and turning away from Muhammad and turning away from Islam to the living Christ. Um, um, These this absolutely supernatural things happening around the world. And, and, you know, we have so much available to us. We have such an easy access to the Word of God, an easy access to worship. There's not very much of a price to pay, is there, in America, to be a Christian? I mean, come under some persecution, hardships sometimes, and the world system is tilting away from Christianity right now unless there's some type of awakening. And we see more people that are violent toward religious freedom and Christianity than we have in my lifetime. any the other time in my lifetime. Openly, openly attack uh, believers, and the church, and faith, and uh, the name of Jesus. So there's a warfare going on in the world. Some wonderful things. I don't want to be left out. In fact, you can't be left out of the war. You're going to be on one side or the other. But I, I, I want to be a part. I want, to, I want us to be an integral part of what God's doing here in the last days. Don't you? Don't you? You know, we think about it sometimes when we kind of live out in a semi-rural area. And it's uh, uh, we're not in uh, a big uh, cities and and uh, we're not surrounded by millions of people and you think sometimes when you meet out here and and there's not just a large number of us at least here in the building you think well that you know what significant role can i play or how can i be a part of that do you remember jesus just had 12 disciples and all of them didn't hang in there but look the bible says they turned the world upside down and so you and i uh as even in the number that we have here today, if we'll determine to say, Lord, I want you to do all all that you want to do in my life. And I want to be a part of these last days revival and awakening in my life, in my family, and in my community and ever how I can in the world. But you you don't have to look forward to see that we're living in an in a time now where there's a whole lot of shaking going on. And um Things are shaking, even physically. Uh, earthquakes that are, that are shattering earth in, in unexpected places, growing stronger and stronger. Uh, tsunamis, uh, plagues, uh, the coronavirus, for instance, that you hear a lot about. Uh, the economics, uh, the economy of today, the wars, conflict, uh, division in our country, the hatred and strife that's there. Uh, sometimes the lack of effectiveness of the church and and believers or professing believers who a part of church that are really not serious about it. Just serious enough maybe to show up most of the time on Sunday, but past that they're not real serious about their faith. You, you understand there are people like that, that they're good people. And yes, they have professed their faith in Christ and they, based on that they have a home in heaven. But when you get past a church service and being a part of that, and hopefully, they represent Christ well with the way they live during the week. But you get past that, there's not a whole lot that they do for the kingdom. And there are just so many people like that, and it's and kind of on the sidelines here. And God says, I want you to move into, I want you, I want you to get out of, 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 the, off of the sidelines and get into to the game, get into what's going on in the world. And sometimes we look at that and say, Well, I don't really think there's that much that I can do. But if you'll seek the Lord in this, no matter what age you are, no matter what situation you're in, no matter what your occupation or your gifts, God can do tremendous things in your life if you'll just put it in his hands. Amen? So even in a world of chaos today, it's no time to panic at all. We do not have to be moved or shaken by what's going on in the world today. I'm thankful that the scripture tells us in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, I believe it is, it says, For I am the Lord, I change not. And then I love how James puts it in the New Testament. Uh, when you look in, in James uh, chapter 1, it says that, that God, the Father, is the giver of every good and perfect gift. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Or in other words, he's saying, every gift comes from the Father and he doesn't change his mind. He's not like uh, shifting sands. He's reliable. He's unshakable. So I thought the best way to start when we look at uh, unshakable was to start with the fact that we have an unshakable God, and that means something to you and I. In fact, that's the very premise and basis of how we can live that kind of strong, committed, faith-filled life, and we're not shaken and knocked down or defeated. <laughs> now, Psalm 16, verse 8, I love the promises that are here, and the Amplified Version, if you want to follow along, I believe it's on the screen. says, I have set the Lord continually before me, Now, that's just one little phrase, but think about that. I, that's personal, have set, that's an act, I willfully have set or placed the Lord, I did this, continually, not just every now and then, but I have continually focused on him. I've continually turned my heart to him. I have set the Lord continually before me, not hit or miss, Not occasionally, but continually before me because he is my right hand, stands for strength and security. He is my right hand. I will not be shaken. How do you live a life where you are unshaken? You set the Lord continually before your life. You trust that he is your right hand, your strength and your help and know that he's right beside you. It's very simple. But it is an act of faith. Psalm 55, verse 22, I believe it is. The Amphi Bible says, Cast your burden or pile your troubles on the Lord, release it, and he will sustain and uphold you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken or to slip and fall. Isn't that a fantastic promise? If you're righteous, says, it righteous we've been made righteous in Christ so if you're a believer this is a promise that you can that you can take and you can claim and say Lord you know I'm going through a lot of things in my life right now but I'm just going to cast all the load this is speaking to someone this morning there's something going on I'm just going to cast all that I'm going to put those troubles over on you Lord I accept responsibility for what I can do but right now the care of it and the load of it I release that I turn it loose And I believe, Lord, that you will sustain and uphold me and that I will never be shaken. I'll stand true and strong in this. That's for you this morning. That's for you. Going to a beautiful scripture, a powerful scripture this morning for a few minutes in Isaiah chapter 40. And we're going to look at primarily at verses 47 through 31. Isaiah chapter 40. And uh, when you get Past the 39th chapter and moving to the 40th chapter of Isaiah, it kind of changes t- t- the tone uh, of the whole book. There's a shift that takes place there. Uh, in chapter 39, uh, it says, Behold, the days are coming, That's speaking to the people of Israel, to Judah. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. Now that wasn't good news. You see there's some very difficult things happening and some prophecies going on all the way through the first 39 chapters of Isaiah. And it closes out by saying, you're about to lose everything you have and you're going to be taken captive into a foreign land. It wasn't what anybody wanted to hear. Now, there was a reason why that happened. It wasn't that God just wanted to get even with them or He punished them in a sense. They had made choices that resulted in this. Understand, He didn't want that. But sometimes it happens. People, there's, There are consequences to sin rebelling against God. But the interesting thing is with all this terrible news that, hey, th- times are going to get hard. There's going to be some battles ahead. And there's going to be some times you're going to feel like giving up. So it's kind of like he said, but I want to give you this word here, and we read about it in, I'm just going to cover part of it in Isaiah chapter 40. It's kind of like saying, you're going to lose all these things, you're going to face some real problems and struggles, and you're going to be taken into a captive land, but there's something I want you to remember while you're there. While you're there, don't forget this. You know, sometimes we need to get these things hidden in our hearts. And the Scripture and the Word and the promises of God so ingrained within us so that when we do run into some of these difficult situations and we face some struggles and battles, when we do face them, then we're not moved by them because we've got the promises planted down deep inside of us. And so if they took the, the promises we're going to read about here in just a minute, the wonderful news, if they took that And they dwelt on that, even when they were in captivity and it seemed like there was no hope, they could go back and say, oh, but wait, but wait, it doesn't look like things are going to get any better. This is a horrible time, but this is what God says and I will lean on his promise. And I believe that's how they stood through those years, those that were faithful. So, I guess really where we begin then is in these verses is that as we talk about unshakable, I just want you to look at this part of of that. And that is that God is unshakable. Everything hinges on your perspective of God. Everything hinges on who you believe God to be, right? So it's extremely important that you know who God is. And so we're looking at unshakable God is. This is the foundation for moving forward the next two or three weeks. And I want you to look at three very simple things that I, uh, I, I run across. And I, I know it's a part of some other studies, but I, I don't think I can improve on it. But I, I do want to include some things in it. Just three simple things here as far as the fact that God is unshakable. And this will help us. This ought to help encourage us and help us even through some times we face. First of all, number one, that God is aware. That God is aware. He knows. Look at verse 27 of Isaiah 40. Amplified Bible says, Why, O Jacob, do you say and declare, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Uh, Let me give it from the, kind of from a paraphrase here. Look at the message Bible says, why should you ever complain, O Jacob, or whine, Israel, saying, God has lost track of me? Anybody ever feel like that? You ever felt like that before? He doesn't really care what happens to me. But people say, well, this wouldn't be happening to me if he really cared, but we know that's, that, is, that isn't true. He just, he cares. He says, God's lost track of me. He doesn't care what happens to me. He goes on and says, don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening God doesn't come and go, God lasts. In other words, you can depend on him. He's unshakable. He cares for you in every situation. Psalm 121, New Living Translation, verse four and five says, Indeed, he, the Lord who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. He's always there. He doesn't check out. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shape. Oftentimes in the scripture, the, when it describes the actions and the works of God, it, apply, it, it connects it with, uh, with human qualities, physical qualities. We talk about the hand of God, the eye of God. It talks about the right hand of God. It talks about God's slumbering or sleep. That's applying what, what we would think of as human or physical characteristics to God. And, and that's the only way we can really understand what the scripture is telling us about God. We say God is a spirit, we know, but these things describe God and God's character. Uh, If you're going to live a life where you're not tossed back and forth and you establish that faith where you're unshakable, you need to determine and not get away from the fact that he has not forgotten you. He knows where you are, He knows what you're going through, and He cares about you. Okay. Now that to me is comforting. Okay. And instead of, I was going, oh God, why is this happening? Why this is this? You know, sometimes we just need to shut up and just look at the truth about the fact, Oh God, thank you for caring about it. even this situation. I don't understand a lot about it, but I know that you care for me in it, and I'm going to get through it, and I'm going to reign over it because you are faithful. I will not be moved. Yes. So Luke chapter 12. I love this little account. That we've talked about from time to time. New Living Translation. Let me put. Let me read it from that version. Luke chapter 12, verse six and seven. This is Jesus telling this account. It says. So what's the price of five sparrows? Two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them. I love how, you know, I love how the scripture puts this. If you can get five sparrows for two coins, what does that mean? It means you can buy four and get one free one sparrow in a sense is worthless or doesn't cost a cent but he says if God cares about all five sparrows including the one that's thrown in at no cost it goes on and says don't be afraid you are more valuable to God than the whole flock of sparrows it's just the words that, is that any, even the hairs of your head are numbered. I understand God doesn't have to stay around and count as long with some of us as he used to. But I know that what that verse is really saying is that he cares about every aspect of your life. He's not in the dark as to what's going on in your life. Now, that blows my mind. It's hard for me to comprehend the fact that Almighty God actually is aware of what's going on in every one of our lives in detail. I just simply cannot grasp that, but He's God, and I'm not. And I'll just rest in that. Proverbs 15:3 says, "The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good." Isn't it amazing that people over the years have thought that they could hide? You know Adam tried to hide? after he committed sin, he tried to hide from God. He knew something going way wrong. He was ashamed. Things had happened. Everything had gone awry. And, and he basically once had that close fellowship and communion with God and continuing basis every day. And now, it describes it by saying he walked with him in the garden. But then he was lost because God himself, and I think it's Old Testament, actually Old Testament appearance of Christ, pre-incarnate Christ, he said, Adam, where are you? How many of you know that God had not lost, God had not lost Adam? He knew exactly what tree he was behind. You hear what I'm saying? What he needed in that was for Adam to recognize he was lost. Adam to recognize that something had gone wrong in that relationship. And people can get separated from God and feel like God doesn't see them. And, and, and some people live in fear because they think that God is, is, you know, going to crack the whip. And so every little move they make and every little mistake and everything that happened, it, look, you better watch out. You know, it's like you better watch out. Santa Claus is not the only one that can see everything. <laughs> in fact, we know we can't. There's one who can see everything, knows everything. And... God is that one. Now, I can't grasp it. I don't totally understand it, but I can tell you unequivocally, I can tell you according to the Word of God that no matter who you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter if you feel like you're alone right now, you are not, God is aware of where you are and what's going on this very moment. There are no secrets when it comes to God. No secrets. No secrets. God is is aware. He knows. Second thing, God is able. God is able. It's extremely important for me to know if I'm going to live a life that's unshakable, I got to know that I have a God who's big enough to help me. Look at verse 28 of Isaiah 40. It says, do you not know? Have you not heard? I get this. The everlasting God, the Lord the creator of the ends of the earth does not become tired or weary. There's no searching of his understanding. The message says, he's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't pause or catch his breath. And he knows everything inside and out. God is able to deal with any situation you're going now if you will learn to follow his word and to walk it out in faith. There's three, there's three references to God here in this one verse. You notice it says the everlasting God. Now, what did he mean by the fact that God is the everlasting God? Well, it's Elohim Olam is the the Hebrew word, but it simply means that God is eternal. Now, get this. (laughs) There has never been a time when God wasn't. And there will never be a time when God isn't. He's the everlasting God, the everlasting Father. He existed when there was nothing but Him, and He will always exist. He is and always will be. And so, when the writer here in Isaiah says, He's the everlasting God, He's not gonna be here one day and gone the next. He's the everlasting God, past, present, and future. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And one of the great realities and truths that's important for us to get inside of us if we're living in a world that's being shaken and we're going through some times in our life is the fact that God is an eternal God. He's everlasting and he's big enough to handle any situation. Which brings me to the next name that he gives. He says he's the everlasting God, the Lord. The Lord. The word there is the word Jehovah or Jehovah or Yahweh. And when that term is, is used in Scripture as referring to, to the Lord, Jehovah is the what I call the covenant connection. Jehovah is the term used when God is representing Himself as the covenant-making and covenant-keeping God. And I love all the names. You know, there's several different names in the Scripture of God, and those names are just teaching us his character and his quality and his works. Okay. And Jehovah, the Yahweh, which means self-existent one, is a covenant name. And you take Jehovah and connect it with another word there, it says, the Lord who does this, the Lord who does this, he's a covenant, he keeps his promises. For instance, uh, Jehovah-Rohi means the Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah-Jireh means the Lord is my provider. Jehovah Shalom means the Lord is my peace. Jehovah Tzitzkanu means the Lord is my righteousness. Jehovah Shama means the Lord is there. Jehovah Nisi means the Lord is my banner. Jehovah Rapha means the Lord is my healer. He is the God who heals. And so you get these and, and there, there are, are others, but you get these, it's, it's basically these, these words connected. He's the Lord who has made this covenant promise. He's the Lord who is this to me. He's the Lord who provides this for me. And I guarantee you you can do just a study of the names of God in the scripture and it will absolutely bless your socks off. It will absolutely bless you when you see what God has promised. Just by giving us his name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So he's the everlasting God. He's the Lord Jehovah, the covenant keeping God. So you can remain unshakable. He, he keeps his word. The Bible says he keeps covenant, covenant even to a thousand generations. Now I don't necessarily think once you've got a thousand generations, you're going to cut it off. But that's a word that tells us it's forever. It's just forever. And it goes on next and uses the word creator. Now, if... Our God is the one who created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. And he created it by speaking a word and brought it into existence. What kind of problem do you have that's too big for him? Think about it. Just think about it. He just wants us to learn to access and appropriate who he is and what he's done by faith. So we can walk in it. Um, It's extremely important. The very last thing is that God is available. He's not only aware of everything, not only able to take care of situations in life, but God is available. In in other words, He's willing. And I want us to look at the last uh, few verses in Isaiah 40, which is verse 29 through 31. Look at that on the screen or if you have your Bibles. Uh, This is familiar passage of Scripture, but it's so good. It's just so good. Verse 29 says, he gives strength to the weary and to him who has no might, he increases power. Anybody ever been in a place where you needed that? He gives strength to the weary and to him who has no might, he increases power. Even youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly. I don't have the same energy and ability or the want to move and do the things that I did when I was 18 or 25 or even 35 or even 40. That would be okay. I feel like if we had that, if God blessed the supernatural with that, we'd kill ourselves. Our body would have to catch up. So anyway, I digress. But is a thought. That when you think of youth, when you think of students, when you think of teenagers, I mean, I mean, you don't have to be that old. I mean, little kids just can just, they just run circles with you. They just, it's everywhere, it's like they never get tired. Some of you have little ones you know, and they just, from time their feet hit the ground, they're going all day long. And how many times I've heard parents and probably said to myself, say, man, I wish I had their energy. I wish I had their energy. Young people see you know, they're looking forward to life and they got a lot of things to do, and they're excited about life, and that's a good way to be. And I don't think we should have to lose that. Maybe we're not as strong as we used to do be, and, and maybe there's you know some things that's definitely changed when we got older, but should we get to a place to where we just are old and feeble and don't get around and don't move? I don't think so. I don't think that's God's perfect will. Um And Moses really didn't get started in his ministry until he was 80 years old. I'm clinging to that promise right now, really, hard. Man, I'm going to nail that one on the wall. This thing about, this thing in Job, this thing about the man's life, you know, it's all filled with troubles, blah, 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 and all that. Job's not my favorite book. And and it's not because there are trouble and problems there, because trouble and problems are, are existent. They go on. And there's some great things in there, but there's also a lot of, Misunderstanding about it. What I'm really saying about that is, is when he says the days of our life are like three score and ten. Does anybody know how much that is? How much three score and ten? How much three score and ten? Seventy, right? Three score and ten. Is that right? It's seventy. And there are people who bought in that and said, "Okay, you hit seventy, you, and you got one foot out the door." You understand what I'm saying? Now that used to didn't bother me. <laughs> I'm going to go with a scripture that basically says that the age, uh, and, and we can go to this, we won't today, that 120 years is what we ought to believe for. Yes. Some people say, well, nothing going to ever happen. Well, not if that's what you believe. <laughs> I knew some people said they're going to live to 120 and they died early. Well, <laughs> it happens, but... The other night we saw a 103 year old man who's now a general who stood up at the, you know, understand what I'm saying? So, hey, live long and live strong. That should be our testimony that should be what we're just banking on and what we're, but you got to, got to plan ahead for that. It doesn't automatically happen. There's a lot of stuff out there that will try to pull you down. Well, I got away just a little bit there, but I'm, I'm coming back. youths, the ones that you would expect to have all the energy and never get tired. He says, he increases power. Even youths will grow weary sometimes, they do, and get tired. Man, I've heard a lot of teenagers come to me and say, oh, this, I'm just exhausted. I think, what in the world you got to be exhausted about? <laughs> Wait till you get down the road. A little piece. All right. All right. That's all right. I understand. They they get tired sometimes. Even youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly. In other words, it happens to those who have all the energy. Even people in the world who should just be always going and strong, even they get tired. Message says, he energizes those who get tired. He gives free strength to the dropouts. (laughs) For even young people tire and drop out, young folk in their prime still stumble and fall. And we know that's absolutely true. Regardless of how strong you are physically or even how young you are, there are times when you just get tired or times you run up against something that's too big for you, you cannot handle, you cannot make it through. But, by the way, which is the very first word of the next verse, even those that are supposed to be the strongest and they just wore out and they don't make it. But, let me tell you this. But those who wait on the Lord, who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in Him, will gain new strength and will renew their power. They will lift up their wings and rise up close to God like eagles rising toward the sun. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not faint or not be tired. That's another one to stick up on your refrigerator. On your refrigerator. Man, what a great verse. That says, you know, they who wait. You just got to ask yourself a question: Am I a they? Now, don't misunderstand me. I am up to date to know that they is being substitute for he and she to try to be gender politically perfect. That you refer to your son, who that you're not going to say is a son. Or your daughter that you're not going to say is a daughter because they need to wait till they decide for themselves whether they're boy or a girl. And so in the meantime, you refer to your son or your daughter as a they. Now, how stupid is that? So that's not the kind of they I'm talking about here. The kind of they I'm talking about here is they who wait upon the Lord. Can I see a wave of hands if we got any they here in the house this morning? Yes, I'm a they. They who wait on the Lord who expect, look, hope in him will have new strength. They will renew their power. Those who wait upon the Lord get fresh strength. They spread their wings. They soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind. The more that this week went on, the more I realized that I thought I was really kind of preparing this for you guys. And it was first of all for me. Oh Lord, this is gonna be good. This is a good word, man. This is something that we all need. This is something that's gonna bless the folks. It's gonna really help them. And the more I got through it, he said, <laughs> You need this. You understand? You need this. You've forgotten some of this, or you tried to, to live uh, and not aware of it in your life. You need to get it back inside of you. Those who wait. The word wait here is the Hebrew word kava, which is Q A V A H in our spelling. Kavah, which means to wait in expectancy, to look eagerly, or to lie in wait for something. It's not a passive term. Oftentimes when we think of wait here, we think, well, I'm just going, I'm waiting. There's people sometimes that pray, and they'll just say, well, I'm just waiting on God to do it. Do you know, that's not how it works once you've prayed and asked God, and once you've heard things from God, and once you've said, I'm just going to wait on the Lord for this, it is an an active waiting. It doesn't necessarily mean that you've got to do a whole lot, or maybe sometimes not even do anything, but it is a waiting in faith. You are praying. You are thanking the Lord. You are listening and obeying Him. And as you're doing that, you're waiting with great expectation. You know, a lot of people wait and say, well, whatever, or maybe. But this is an expectation wait that says I'm going to wait and hold on to his promises this is how God wants us to be it's not really talking about inactivity in uh, we need to patiently wait for the fulfillment of his promises it, if you read uh, Nehemiah's a great book in the Old Testament and, uh, and we'll, we'll kind of go through that book one of these days not too far in the future but Nehemiah they had to build a wall around Jerusalem and it mentions here that as they built a wall and they encountered all kinds of people, who wanted them to stumble, wanted them to fail. They wanted to shake them and cause them to give up. But they stood strong, and it says that they prayed and they set guards on the walls. Okay. A person can pray over their house. They go away, they leave it, they leave it unlocked. Say, I just left my angels in charge. There's no need you on un- overworking your angel that way. To lock the door. <laughs> the system. <laughs> well, I know. I'm kind of being funny with that. But but you hear what I'm saying is that there is this connection between the spirit and the natural. There is. And this connection is present here. They they didn't just pray that the wall would be built. They took up the hammer. They took up the tools. They stood guard so the enemies couldn't tear it down. There is the pray and there is the stand. There is the pray and there is the work. There's the pray and wait on the Lord, but while you're waiting on the Lord, you are actively involved in doing what He calls you to do. Does that, does that make sense to you guys? Okay. It did to me. But since it was for me anyway, I guess it doesn't you know. No, this is important for us to remember, seriously. So he says, wait. The next important, and the Bible says in Psalm 130, says, I will wait for the Lord. My soul does wait. And in his word do I hope. Wow. Then the next uh, important word in those verses there is the word renew. It says, if you wait on the Lord, you'll renew your strength. You'll renew your power. It gives a picture of a, of a, a plant that sprouts up out of the grass. That, that appears on the earth in the spring with vitality and, and it's renewed. This kind of gives us the idea of keeping the tank filled, your spiritual life filled. Don't run on empty. Don't allow yourself to get spiritually drained and pulled down. Feed your soul, feed your spirit by worship, by meditating on the Word, by prayer, by spending time just in Feed, feed your spirit person. Feed. Don't, if you starve the spiritual man or woman, if you if you starve, you're, you're going to pay the you're going to pay a price for that. He wants us to remain strong in that, so it's important for us to do that. But it takes an effort. Actually, the word renew there carries with it the idea of an exchange. It's beautiful when you look at the depth of it. it beautifully says, an uh, it, it exchange it says re. Renew. Wait on the Lord and renew your strength. You know what that's really saying there when you say exchange? It says, turn in your weariness for his encouragement. Turn in your weakness for his strength. Turn in your hopelessness for true hope. Turn in your sorrow for real joy. It's an exchange word. And the way you find renewing it, the way you get renewed is re- you, you turn over the junk and stuff in your own life that doesn't need to stay there. And God fills your life up with what needs to be there. It's an exchange. Jesus bought and paid for that for us. When he died in the cross, on the cross, when he died for our sins, that was an exchange. He died in our sin, for our sin. Therefore, we are not in our sin anymore when we receive him as Savior. Our sins forgiven. He died so that we could be healed. He died so that we could walk in His blessings. This was an exchange. Lord, I exchange all these rotten things that are a result of sin because Jesus paid the price for me. He did what was necessary, and now by faith, I receive what you did for me. There's nothing that could honor God more. There's nothing that could honor Jesus any more than us being willing to make that exchange. I mean, look at the price He paid to make that possible. Amen. Let me bring things to a close with this. When you you come down to to the very last part there, and in verse 31 where it talks about you spread your wings like an eagle, you know, eagles in the scripture, Well, eagles are just fascinating creatures anyway, symbols of strength and majesty, power, freedom, transcendence. I found that some some eagles are built with short wings and long tails that allows them to hunt and move more in the confines of forest area. And others actually have short tails and broad, long wings that allows them to soar high up in the land, above the land and water. We actually, in the last two or three weeks, uh, there's a don't know whether he's still visiting or not, but we have a bald eagle that's coming and staying right down in our front pasture. And we've seen him several times there comes and stays around the area that where there's been a lot of rain and water, and then goes back up in the trees somewhere. And you don't see those real often. And there's something about them that is just majestic. And if you've ever watched any of them in flight, I mean, we watched watched him one time when he when he took off. I guess it's a him, but anyway, we watched the eagle, and it it was it was quite amazing. Now. They build their nest up in the high cliffs and up in the extremely uh, tall trees. Now, those eagles with the the long wings, apparently with little or no effort, when a little or no effort, they can come and they can pick up the drift and the currents of wind and just flap just like that and they'll pick up those currents of wind and as they do, it just lifts them up. I mean, they just, they go above. They soar. And I guess that's how this closes out to me when I'm looking at God's provision for us to stay strong and be unshakable is that I call it, uh, um, I, I, I think it's three things that the Lord's given us to help us and that, uh, that is the work of grace in our life. It's uh, the three, three faces of grace that are given to us here. And um, the first one, uh, when you look at it, Eagle. And it says that as an eagle, you mount up you mount up like an eagle. You stretch your wings out. You flap it. You stretch out your wings. You break the grip of gravity. You soar higher. The Lord then will help break us free from things that are holding us down and, and binding us. If you encounter storms, there are ways that God will help you fly through the storm. But, But normally the eagle rises above that storm. So really those... Those three aspects of, of grace. Let I me mean, look at. It, just, I'm, I'm use these words, and I, I, I think they're involved in some other studies, but I just love them. Says there is the grace to help us soar, and grace to help us sprint, and grace to help us stroll. There's grace to help us fly above, fly high. There's grace to help us run the race the marathon, and then there's grace to help us walk daily, consistently. It's a beautiful picture here because it says that you'll mount up with wings as eagles, and then what does it say? Secondly, you will run and not be weary. Then what does it say? Thirdly, you will walk. And it, it's interesting that it's listed that way. Uh, and so God gives us grace at times to help us soar in our life to where we actually seem to soar above the problem, supernatural things. I love it when it happens. Just supernatural things happen that gives us miraculous and oftentimes very fast, very fast deliverance and help in situations. That happens sometimes, but it probably is not something that occurs the most in our life. So, the second word is the grace of sprinting or running. The Bible talks a lot about running the race. Paul said, talks about running the race to win. In 2 Timothy he said, I've fought a good fight, I've kept. I have finished the race, I've kept the faith. In Philippians 3 he said, I pressed toward the mark of the goal, the high calling, the prize, the high calling of God in Christ. It's, it, the picture is painted there of someone who's running a race. And so it gives a picture of an eagle that flies, a, a, a runner who's running a race. And that describes certain aspects of life. There are some times in, in our life and in our faith where it seems like we're moving at a fast pace and even making progress and, and even succeeding in our lives spiritually. I mean, things are moving, things are happening, prayers are being answered. Uh, it's just an exciting, fast filled life, fast, fun filled life in many situations where you see things happening and going on. It's wonderful. There's, there's times when that happens. Sprinting, grace for sprinting in your life. But probably the third one is the one where most of us live, the biggest part of the time, and that is strolling, which is simply talking about a consistent walk. That's basically, most of us walk more than we run, don't we? And all of us walk or run more than we fly. <laughs> Amen. So this is, this is talking about everyday life here. Sometimes the most difficult thing to do is not, oh, be lifted up above things or, oh, yes, going through it. Sometimes the most difficult thing is is to walk out every day, routine experiences, strolling, being consistent in our life, Uh, um, not always exciting every day. Sometimes your days are not that exciting. You're not flying high. You're not overcoming and winning some great battle. It's just that every day you want to live out your faith and be steady and persevere. But you know, the greatest heroes of faith are not always those who seem to be soaring. But it's it's in those who are being willing to be consistently and faithfully walking and living it out. See, when we're faithful in the walk, it prepares us for sprinting and it prepares us for soaring times in our life. Take, for instance, David. David, for many years, he was a young shepherd boy, right? But that wasn't wasted time. Being faithful and going through the daily routine of being a good shepherd. It might have been monotonous at times, but this was preparing him by times of worship and anointing. By times of defeating the the bear and the, the, the animals that came against the sheep. And so by preparing himself and being faithful where he was every day when it came time for David to approach Goliath, he ran toward him. And he killed him because he'd been consistent in what he'd been called to do prior to that time. His daily walk prepared him for the run that overcame the enemy. Had he not prepared and been consistent in his walk, he would not have been prepared to defeat the enemy. This is the way it works. And then finally, because he remained faithful in this, he moved to the place to where he soared as becoming the king over all Israel. So keep on. This is talking about strolling, walk consistent, in in waiting on the Lord, following Him. You know, as, as a Christian, keep on even when you don't feel like it. Keep praying even when you don't see the answer yet. Keep witnessing even when no one seems to listen. Keep giving even when it gets tight financially. Keep faithful even when others are not. Daily. That's where the strength is. That's what will equip you for, for the other wonderful opportunities in your life. The Bible says in, he, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, We must believe that He is. He who comes to God must believe that He is. Unshakable. God is. He who comes to God, you cannot please God without faith, the scripture says here. And whoever comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who fervently, faithfully, diligently seek him. I close out with this verse. In Hebrews chapter 12, it relates. It refers back to a time when Moses had gone up to Mount Sinai and receiving the law, the Ten Commandments. And during that time, there was a shaking of the earth. There was the the, uh, terrifying experience that the people witnessed there. It said, when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. And now he makes another promise. He says, once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. The message paraphrase says, one last shaking from top to bottom. This means a thorough house cleaning, getting rid of all the historical and religious junk in your lives so that the unshakable essentials stand clear and uncluttered. Verse 28, so since we, we, are, we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, that's the kingdom of God, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him in holy fear and all. He's a God, he's, God is a devouring fire. Essentially, I, I think we can look at this in many different aspects. I don't have time to go into it. But there was a shaking that took place when Jesus Christ died and gave his life. Remember, there was an earthquake and resurrection took place. Remember when he was on the cross. There was a shaking that took place then. And it changed the world forever. Okay? I mean, it was, it was shaking that we're still feeling. What he did then, we're still feeling because you came to him. You believed on him. He changed your life. That was a shaking that, that took place that changed life forever, changed the world forever. But I believe here the, the writer of Hebrews is actually, uh, I think, pointing to a future time and there will be a time when everything will be shaken and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. We know all the prophetic words in that, particularly in the book of Revelation. But I think this has a real life application to us. That it's easy for you to, it's easy for you to allow things to, to, get, to enter your life and allow things to take time and take priority in your life that are really not that important. And it may be really get in the way of what God wants to do in your life and even what God wants to give you in your life. There's things we can get so wrapped up and tied in, up in that it's insignificant or that's contrary to His Word. And you know what I'm it's saying here in many respects? It's saying even in the religious world in the church that in these last days there's going to be some shaking going on and some of this phony stuff and some of this mediocre and some of this half-hearted stuff and some of this, uh, the Christianity just kind of, just kind of wants to live on, on the, on the fence, if you will, and that, that's, that's, that's going to be gone. He's saying things are going to be shaken to a point to where you'll get to a place to where only the things that cannot be shaken will remain. You know, sometimes we need a good shaking in that sense to let God do some things in us that removes some of the clutter and and changes our priorities, helps us to focus more on him and redirect our lives. So sometimes some things need to shake because they just need to kind of fall off, fall off, fall off, so that that unshakable faith of God can live big in us. Amen. 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 Amen amen i just' just I'm, uh, I'm just going to close in prayer I want, I want you to leave with this on your heart this morning. Would you stand? Thank you Lord. Father, thank you for your word today God what a what a wonderful worship time today and how you've spoke to us by your holy Spirit Help us lord every every person in this building to be aware right now that that you are aware <laughs> that you're aware of them you know who they are you know where they are you know what's going on in their life you know where they stand even as far as their eternity you, you know and, and this is not something for us Lord to, to walk in fear or, or, or to be so concerned about uh, uh, a God who just wants to strike us down this is a, an important place for us to come to see that, that now through Christ we can be forgiven and made righteous and Lord, we don't have to fear judgment. We don't have to fear judgment. But as believers, as children of God, you care about us. You care about every person that's building. You care about what they're facing. It may even seem insignificant to them. I said, well, God doesn't need to be concerned about this model. Let me tell you something. He's aware of your life and he's aware of what's going on. Would you rest in that? That's a wonderful thing to know that someone who loves you can identify with you and knows what's going on and then would you also grasp the idea this morning that we talked about the truth that we talked about that the fact that he's a great God and that nothing is too difficult for him so whatever is going on in your life don't be shaken by it because you've got an almighty God one that you can trust in who keeps his covenant promises and that you can rest in that and remain steady in your faith and then Lord God Thank you so much that you've made yourself available. You want to, you will to, you desire to speak to us and minister to us and Lord to bring us to a place where we can enjoy the life that you promised. God help, help each one in this building to just simply say from down deep in their heart, Lord, I've had some things go on that's shaken my life but some of that shaking I needed to wake me up to what's really important. Some of that shaking I needed because I was allowing things to crowd in and I I know I lost part of my passion. I I lost part of my joy. Lord, I I repent, I surrender that right now to you. And I ask you, Lord, as I wait upon you with expectation, I ask you to renew my spirit Renew the strength in me, Lord. Renew the power. Renew that freshness and joy of knowing you and following you. God, do that work in our hearts, I pray, so that you will help us. Knowing you're an unshakable God, we can rely and trust in you completely, and that because of that, we can live a life that's unshakable as we see the kingdom of God, which is cannot be shaken. We see the kingdom of God advanced and go forward even now. And we thank you for that now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can you receive His Word this morning? Be challenged, be encouraged by it. Let's give the Lord a good